Well, welcome back to Being and Making Disciples, everyone, uh, where we try to advance the conversation on evangelization. We have someone that's definitely doing that in the church today. Rachel Ullman is our guest. Rachel is the executive director of the Given Institute, a nonprofit organization dedicating dedicated to activating the gifts of young adult women for the Catholic Church and the world. Rachel, thank you for the time this evening. Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. I'm happy to be here. So um, let's start with those who are not familiar. Can you tell us what the Given Institute is and how it got started? I'd love to. Uh, Given is a ministry based in the United States to support young adult Catholic women in their 20s, ultimately to offer faith formation and leadership training at an event called the Given Forum that takes place annually, where young adults apply to attend that formation event. But the best part is that the young women are then paired with a dedicated mentor who works with them for an entire year after the forum. And our mentors are established women leaders in the church and in the world that are from all different fields, all different vocations, all different states in life. And it's wonderful that our ministry is able to accompany these young women in a transitional decade in their lives. You know, being in your 20s is hard. It seems like it gets even harder as each generation uh, is growing and uh, developing. And so we are honored to be raising the next generation of Catholic female leaders, doing that through leadership training, faith formation, and dedicated mentoring. That is just an, an awesome mission in so many ways, the, the mentorship aspect. And yeah, I can relate in the 20s, especially if you're Catholic, you're discerning your vocation, that can be stressful. Um, and I love the focus on 20s. So we're going yeah. after the youngins. Um, <laughs> so so why the 20s? Why is, why is that age range such a focus for you? The reason is because of our foundresses and their vision. So back in 2015, the church was celebrating the year of consecrated life universally. So Pope Francis had called for a greater participation and lifting up of the voices of consecrated men and women. And so What's really amazing is that a large philanthropic organization approached religious sisters in their collaborative body called CMSWR. So that's an acronym for the Council of Major Superiors of Women Religious. So this philanthropic group comes in the year of consecrated life to these sisters and says, we want to give you a large grant, a lot of money <laughs> and no strings attached. We're telling you that we want you to dream big and start something new because of what Pope Francis has called mm -hmm. for the church wow. in this year. And so the sisters took that opportunity to prayer and discerned that women in their 20s were not being served by an apostle in the United States at that time. And so that's yeah. why Given was born was because of their identification mm -hmm. and discernment of that decade. That makes uh, total sense. By the way, that's one of the cooler acronyms I've heard in the church. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so in my daily, my day-to-day -day job, you know, a big emphasis has been men's ministry. And there's a lot of clamoring more and more for men's ministry, which is wonderful and yeah. a huge need. But I, I agree that women are, are left off the radar because everyone just assumes, oh, they'll be fine. They're going <laughs> to be at church. Um, but that's not the case, right? I mean, you're going after the generation where the nuns and not the kind of nuns they might have been hoping for, the NES nuns right. are starting to show up, right? They need specific attention catered to them because they have different needs um, right. than prior generations. 
No, it's true. I'm glad you brought that up, that there has been an assumption of women's participation in religion and their leadership in a faith life. But the statistics are not looking so great for women in the Catholic Church or in faith in general. I think it was the 2019 Pew report that had an update on that original millennial report that was so startling to all of us in church ministry about the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. Well, this 2019 report said that a dramatic increase in women saying that they are not affiliated with any type of religion. And so the church needs to wake up, right? And needs to realize also a a variety of things, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, age of religious sisters, the median age of religious Mm -hmm. sisters in Mm -hmm. the United States, the median age of women workers, lay women who are the parish secretaries who run so many of the ministries is not getting any younger. We need an apostolate just for parish secretaries next. That's the next (laughs) one. (laughs) Well, a lot of our given alumni are leaders in that regard. They're Um, parish secretaries. I bet. That's that's the first touch point in parish life. The first person to meet people coming to the door. Right. Um, And I love how it started in prayer. I mean, the fact that it started in prayer, uh, that's a sign that, yeah, God really wants this to move forward. So... um, but it's, it's really neat that y'all are doing something very tangible, very practical, you know, so maybe getting into the nuts and bolts. So what is the application process like for the, the young women who are desiring to be a part of it, as well as for the mentors? Yeah, I'd love to talk about this because... I love that when the sisters first initiated the inaugural given forum and wrote the application, it's rigorous. (laughs) It is not uh, just you sign up and show up to a conference. It is a true discernment of your own leadership qualities as a young adult, right? And ultimately, what are the gifts that God has given you uniquely and unrepeatably that you want to put in service of the gospel. So the application process, it's about 20 pages long, and it includes questions such as your education background, your um, interests, maybe some different accolades you might have received, some leadership roles, things like that. But really the heart of the application beyond that questionnaire is we have questions regarding a woman's interest in women's issues in the church. We want to hear that perspective from her. Who are some Catholic female leaders that she looks up to? Some saints, some who have actually been named by the church and been canonized, but who are living saints in their lives, women who are embodying the feminine genius. And then ultimately the whole application beyond lots of those short answers and essays ends in the action plan proposal. So that when you talk to a given alumna, your first question should be, what was your action plan? (laughs) Because our young women, they write on paper, they put to pen and paper, what are the gifts God has given me and what am I going to do about it? What is that tangible expression of my response to God in love for the gifts that you've given me? And I'm going to do something with them for the church. And their mentors ultimately help the young women in that entire year after the forum to implement and then execute their action plan. That's that's exciting for several reasons. Well, one is the church right now is desiring tangible results of things. You know, we've been a lot in the conceptual, this is where Mm. things should go. So I love how it's just so tangible, but it's also, um, I guess, I don't know if this is a word, operationalizing the mentorship mm-hmm. process, which is foreign to Catholics for some reason. We're getting better at it, but 
you know, Protestants know you got to mentor people in the faith. So it's right. creating a, a vehicle for that, but looking at it from a whole human, human perspective, right? Not just in regards to your faith life, but how are you going to bring that into the work, into your personal yes. life? So what a great mechanism to get young women raised up in leadership, something the Pope has been really clamoring for ever since he started his pontificate. It's so true. And I'm glad you talked about that integration. That is at the heart of what we do in our mentorship program is helping young women to integrate their spiritual lives, their Catholic faith with the work that they are doing. And the work, right, doesn't necessarily have to be paid work at your job, right? The work is your mission. The work is your action plan. It's your vocation. It's your personal vocation. It is how you are responding in love to the creator, the giver of all good gifts, right? Paid or unpaid, right? We are mm -hmm. all on mission. And so that is what a mentor models herself in her mm -hmm. own life. But what she helps that young woman to continue to develop in her own life is that integration of her faith with the work that she is doing. You know what this sounds like, Rachel? What? The new evangelization. <laughs> it's <laughs> a very know. tangible new expression of passing on the faith in the modern age. So that's exciting. So I know you're I getting know. ready for your biggest event of the year, the Given Forum, coming up this month, an annual event. It's fourth year. Can you explain to us what's the Given Forum like and what are some of the special highlights of that event? Yeah, absolutely. We're so excited to be going to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia this year from June 21st to 25th. So the Given Forum is a five-day event of leadership training and faith formation. Our days across the event follow a theme, and it's the same theme that takes place at every forum. Ultimately, we are helping women to discover the gift only they can give. But how we do that is we go through three steps to first help women to receive the gift that they are so that they know that as woman, that you just by your very being are a gift, right? That's a message next, needed this yeah. day and age, right? I can see why you start it there. It is. And actually, it takes us a whole day and a half to get through all of that. <laughs> uh, and all of our formation, all of our content at the events uh, follow. Um, we have keynote talks. We have power sessions, which is a panel of a variety of women giving witness. We also have leadership trainings that are, are more workshop style. But ultimately, everything is steeped in prayer. We have mass daily. We have confession offered daily. We have adoration available. We also have prayer teams on site, spiritual directors. I mean, we've got it all <laughs> because we know that for a young woman to be a leader, for any of us to be leaders and true Catholic leaders, we have to have a relationship with the Lord first, right? So just to finish up the themes, you know, first to receive the gift that you are. Then the next step is to realize the gifts you've been given. So the skills of discernment. And we talked about that transitional decade in your 20s, right? You need a lot of discernment skills <laughs> to face a lot of questions and a mm -hmm. lot of ups and downs and challenges. Discerning all the time. Yeah, all the time. You're figuring out who you're meant to be. It's Yeah, it's a big deal that, yeah. that decade. It is. And then to, to discern what are those unique gifts that God gave me alone, right? I am a gift and I have unique gifts, right? And then the third and final theme is to respond with the gift only you can give is that activation, right? So you know, you are a mm -hmm. gift, you have gifts, and now you're going to use those gifts for the gospel. 
I love it. So um, there's a quote I've been thinking a lot about lately that I feel is often misquoted. So St. Pope John Paul okay. II said, we are not, I might, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. Mm. We are the sum of, and a sum has two parts, the father's love for us. And I, a lot of people stop there, but I love how you're starting there with your, you are a gift just as you are. But also he says, the second part of that sum is our real capacity to be, to be made into the image and likeness of his son. So that's where the gifts come in. You are, when God sees us, he sees us and loves us as we are, but also he sees all that we can be. And part of that yes. is giving ourselves away. So, you know, I just think y'all are really living out that, that holistic approach of helping people realize who they are, but then go develop those things to give them away. Because that's when we find our true vocation, right? When we give the gift away. Not just keep it you to ourselves. You got it. I love that quote that you just referenced. Uh, John Paul II is a hero of all of us at the Given Institute. He obviously was a champion for women. Yep. His writings, letter to women, mulieris dignitatum. I mean, the list goes on on all that he did for the human person, but particularly for women and lifting up their dignity and vocation. And I love what you just mentioned uh, in that quote. I, I love being Catholic because I love that we are saved by faith and works. You got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it. We got to put in the action. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I know. And that's part of the action plan process with given, right? Is yeah. that you're not just having this mountaintop experience at this conference. You've mm -hmm. got homework to do. Yeah. You come and down you the mountain a, and you go, yeah. you go get some other people up this mountain. Let's go people. Yes. And your mentor holds you accountable. <laughs> I right? love it. It probably yeah. helps hold the mentor accountable too, to their own missionary discipleship. Oh, it's so true. I mean, yeah. our mentors span multiple generations, uh, but they all are so encouraged in these relationships with the young adults because they see the future of the church. They see that they are being uh, an impactful part of raising the next generation of Catholic mm -hmm. female leaders. And mm -hmm. they all say, if I had had this in my 20s, mm -hmm. I could have gone a lot further yeah. in my faith life, et cetera. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. I was fortunate to have a mentor, you know, that seeked me out in college without him. I don't know where I'd be. So mentorship is key. Um, so Rachel, I just want to switch gears for a little bit, but uh, going into your background here, you're a graduate of Franciscan university of Steubenville. You know how in football uh, <laughs> games, the guys always say the you, you know, like if there was a Catholic version of that, it would be like Franciscan. I mean, y'all are <laughs> everywhere. There are um, three priests in my diocese currently that went there. So, wow, what? praise God. So, so tell, tell, tell us, tell our audience, you know, I'm sure we have some listeners from Steubenville probably too. What, what, uh, what's going on at that place? Why has it produced so many great fruits? How do its alumni get involved in so many different wonderful things going on in the mm. church today? There's probably way too long of an answer to that question, but I will say at least my reason why I went to Franciscan and why I have seen fruit as a result. Uh, my parents told me that if they were going to invest in my higher education, I only had one option, and that was Franciscan University of Ah, uh, that's how it happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but smart, wise choice. Because, and I wanted to go there myself. I went to the youth conferences and experienced the transformation that takes place there. And so I knew it was a place that I wanted to be. But my parents, they came of age in the 60s and 70s, a tough time to be Catholic, fell away from their faith. And ultimately, it was during the rise of the charismatic renewal in the United States and the Catholic involvement in that, that they came back to their Catholic faith in the early 
early 80s. And so they were on a one track mind that if we have children and when we have children, that's where they're going to school. And so you have seen in the leadership of Father Dave Favanka now as the president of Franciscan mm-hmm. University, who's an alum himself, mm-hmm. how that charism is still ongoing, the rising up of the laity in leadership roles and our universal call to holiness, it is so embedded in your everyday life at Franciscan is you are all trying to help one another get to heaven, go into daily mass. I mean, my favorite experience was the Austria study abroad program where we have our own campus in a Carthusian monastery in Austria. I mean, you can't beat that. But going on pilgrimage with your friends at 19 years old, that marks you. It yeah, changes that, 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 that's you. A good way to, that's a good way to spend those years. Uh, I actually it got to share an, share an Uber with the Bishop of Steubenville. I was at this diocesan conference for something. Okay. Nicest guy. Nicest guy. And uh, it was just mm. neat to learn more about Steubenville too, that Steubenville, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a very big Catholic bubble. The surrounding areas yes. of this is not super Catholic. So it's, it's amazing how God has produced that place in the midst of, you know, basically you, oh. you drive around for a while, then you're yes. at Catholic Disneyland all of a sudden. Right. Oh, it's so true. And uh, I really didn't have any other friends in my class that were from my same city, my same high school growing up. I mean, it is certainly drawing Catholics from all over the country, all over the world. And it really is because of that desire for young adults, but for families who are raising their children in the faith to provide them a Catholic education, but an education that's going to put them out on mission, which Franciscan does that so well. And prepare them for the world in which we live today, the modern age. So, so, so exciting. What a great place. Um, One thing I just had to ask you about, um, as you know, is in your profile is um, you play the harp. (laughs) That is awesome. I mean, I had a neighbor that had a harp in their living room. I haven't seen a harp since then. So, how did you get into harp playing? And what what are some of the different places your harp playing has brought you? I love it. Well, I have a harp in my living room. So I'll just have to have you you and your family over for dinner to come see another life-size, concert-size harp. You may not uh, want to invite my five-year-old and three-year-old, but the seven-year-old, yeah, that thing's got to be a little child magnet, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. Yeah, my kids aren't uh, allowed to touch the harp. They get in big time out if they touch the harp. But uh, how I came to study the harp was I was eight years old. And it was at that time, most parents are asking their kids, ah, you should pick up an instrument. What instrument do you want to pick up? And that exact timing when we were having that conversation, we went to an event at our parish where they were having a going away party and they had a harpist that was providing the music. What a parish event. That is the coolest story. I was not, I thought, I thought you were going to say, didn't Ariel and Little Mermaid have a harp? I was going to guess it was like a movie when you were a kid or something. No, no. This is when you, when you give your kids culture, right? They embrace it. So, Stuff. It was. So I tugged on my mom's sleeve and said, that's what I want to play. And she went right up to the harpist there and asked if she would give me lessons. And the rest is history. So I have played the harp ever since I was eight years old. It's taken me lots of places. I have played in many, many different wedding venues here in the Baltimore area. Uh, but I think what was maybe my proudest moment or most exciting was that I started my own small business called Charm City Harpist. So Baltimore is known as Charm City. So back in my single young adult years, when I had time to kill, I thought, well, 
going to make a little business out of this, right? So I have an awesome wedding story <laughs> because the type of people that hired me are the sensationalists, right? Oh, so yeah. Have, that, that, was right. My, that was not on, on our planning list for the wedding. Harp. People who somehow have extra money to waste, you know, and they want something memorable. So they hire a harpist. So one of these weddings, it's an outdoor wedding, beautiful venue. And I'm playing the music as the bride's walking down the aisle. And then the uh, minister calls for the rings. Well, the rings were delivered by a hawk. So a hawk flies over the are, congregation. Are you sure? This sounds like a, ro a romantic comedy. I'm kind. not kidding. This is, this Women is are screaming. Oh, it was ridiculous. Oh, know? yeah. Well, a hawk, of all things, like <laughs> dove, a hawk. Hawks are scary. I know. <laughs> and then the hawk lands on the best man's arm and drops the rings. In his but did people was, freak out? People were freaking out for a little yes, bit. Like, the hawk's yes, attacking us. covering their heads. It was just the strangest thing. But I thought, well, these are the type of people that would hire me, right? Yeah. They're going to hire all the bells and whistles. <laughs> Gotta have a hawk, hawk and a harp. I mean, it's yeah. like peanut butter and jelly, right? You know, they go together. Um, <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> are you playing the harp at the forum? No, I'm a little oh. too busy. Okay. <laughs> Harp's not coming to the forum. You know, I have talked to one of our main speakers at the event, Monse Alvarado, who is an incredible Catholic female leader. She is the executive director of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. She's a rock star. So she and I have chatted because she is a vocalist, a classical vocalist. And we've said someday... We are going to perform the Ave Maria together, but maybe when I have a bigger staff and I have the time to be able to also play the harp at my major event. <laughs> that, that sounds amazing. Well, it sounds like there's just some amazing leaders coming to that forum. So maybe to wrap things up, Rachel, um, the forum this year, is it open yes. to the public and where can people learn more and get involved in the forum and given in general? Oh, I love it. There's one event during the five days that's open to the public, and that is Wednesday, June 22nd at the Catholic Female Leaders Celebration. This is an annual part of the forum where we invite all Catholic women in the area to come together to celebrate women's gifts and celebrate their leadership. And what we're doing at that event is we have Katie McGrady is our MC for the evening. So you'll hear some remarks from her on the feminine genius. But ultimately, you're going to hear from our gift alumni, our young women, those women in their 20s, and experiences of their action plans and the successes of those and how they're making an impact in the church and the world through their gifts. And so we invite all of you. You can watch it online. You also can attend in person. So if you go on our website, giveaninstitute.com, you can get the information for the Catholic Female Leaders Celebration. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you for all you are doing for the church. Thank you for giving. So giveninstitute.com. Check it out, folks. Get involved. And at the least, uh, let's all be praying for the Institute and this important mission. So thanks again for the time, Rachel. And uh, sorry to put you on the spot. Would you mind closing us with a prayer? Oh, sure. I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us together for this conversation. I ask you to bless all of us, all those who are listening, and help us to know that we are unique and unrepeatable creations of you, that we are gifts, and that you have given us unique gifts to be put at the service of others, and ultimately that that will make us truly happy and satisfied when we give of ourselves as a gift to others. So I ask that you would bless all of us, Lord, 
And ultimately, uh, I want to ask the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.